Start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. And we're out. And now I would like to ask you to do... Uh, Extreme One identification. Last thing. And it's, sure. a, it's a station identification. It's probably something you've never been the asked to do The center of the before. galaxy. Yeah, that's There's right. There's our black so hole. How does this work? Well, you just say, hi, I'm Will Bates. I'm the composer of the soundtrack for uh, Far, Cry Far Cry 6. And you're listening to Sci-Fi.Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Okay. Um, you write it down. You write it. Write I might it have down. to write that down. All right. This is it. All right. The age My of time name is Will space. Bates, composer of the upcoming happen. Ubisoft game Welcome Far Cry 6. And you're listening to Sci-Fi Radio. Good morning, or afternoon, Sci-fi or for your evening. Wi-Fi. Whatever is relevant That's for the part of the world perfect. you are two, in. Two Indeed, notes. welcome to one, the Event Horizon Let's drop the word upcoming because it's oh, yeah. yeah. circulating for a while, and after it comes out, it will no longer be upcoming. And science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbull. Just to make sure they type it right when they look for us. With us today online. is... Okay, you got it. My name is Will Bates, composer Will Bates. of Far Cry 6. Will Bates. It was yeah, Will sorry. Bates. And you're listening right to sci-fi.radio. <laughs> and with us sci-fi today is, is uh, award-winning that's composer that's Will it. Bates, the latest work of awesome. which, thank you so uh, much. Uh, thank uh, you so much. Is this is a good one. in the soundtrack yeah. for Ubisoft's Far Cry 6. Well, we'll let you go. You have a lovely, lovely evening. Hi. You too. Thank you for having me. So time was, you know, when we were playing Pong, there was no music in a video game. Now the video is practically indistinguishable from life if life had like dragons and things. And totally. the music is has kept pace right along with it. Time was kids would get exposed to classical and orchestral and any kind of fine music from cartoons. And now it's it's video games. They have you know full fully realized video music concerts and Kid, you know, kids of all ages, even our ages, flock to them. So, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's a whole art form unto itself now. Totally. So, where did you start working with video games? After you've done so much, uh, going going back, uh, what fifteen, twenty years? Yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, my journey here is a bit of a weird one. I mean, I I, I think my first love will always be film music. Um, mm-hmm. From the age of about six, I was kind of obsessed with John Williams and, you know, just that sort of that relationship that film music has to a visual and the power that it has to change context. But, um, you know, then I got a bit sort of distracted and I ended up... Um, I was a jazz musician for a while until I hit my early twenties, and then uh, and then I got into writing electronic music in London, released a few records, and then I was the lead singer of a band um, in New York. And the whole time, the only way that I really knew how to support myself was was scoring picture, and at that time, that was mostly commercials and the odd short film and stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like the things kind of changed for me after getting a movie to Sundance in 2008 mm. um, and from there it kind of like started to build for me as a as a more of a more of a job I guess um, and I ended up scoring some movies and TV shows and one thing just led to another and I feel like the game thing happened 
much much later for me i um i did my first game for ubisoft four years ago i think which one and was, I, i've always one was been it? it was a, a rainbow six game oh, okay. called outbreak uh-huh. um siege um yeah and it was like you know they were very kind <laughs> with me in a way because i was so new to it i i confessed to them in my first meeting that the last game i played was probably on the sega genesis which for me is actually <laughs> uh-huh. the sega mega drive right which is right. what it was called in england um and i i was really into it i, I loved video games but i think once I hit my 20s, I just sort of missed the boat a little bit. Once there was like mm-hmm. more than two buttons on the controller, I started to sort of, it, it it started to kind of depart away from me. And I, of course, I would play a little bit of friends' houses and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so I, I explained this to to the guys at Ubisoft and they were like, no, 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 really, what, what games do you play? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm being pretty honest. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't played a game sort of this century. Um, and they, um, they were, they were great. And I, you know, I ended up just kind of scoring it as if I was scoring a movie and they would, they send me clips and they send me kind of captures of, of gameplay and they ended up flying out to, to Canada and, and met with them and played the game, which was, kind of embarrassing actually um and and it was in the end it was just a fantastic project and it taught me a lot of of the workflow of how it how you kind of got into it and how how it is very different to scoring for movies and for things that are kind of more narrative driven like that um and then yeah like a couple years later they called again with with this one at which point i thought all right i've got to buy a playstation and this is this is ridiculous so i i went out and i bought a playstation 4 Uh and bought a bunch of the far cry games and and familiarized myself with all of it but um yeah i was talking to someone at activision the other day and i i also confessed to him that i don't really play games he's like you're a composer you don't have time to play video games thank you bingo there it is yeah yeah it's uh uh composing for uh uh composing for games is i think my channel's off Uh yeah i'm test test nope i'm not seeing it wait hello is that me i i can hear you you can hear me Okay. Okay. Well, just take take a, take uh, a note on the time, and we'll we'll edit. Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll we'll fix it in post. <laughs> yeah, that's our that's our company. There you motto. go. <laughs> I've made a career out of that. <laughs> yeah. The uh, um. Oh, there we go. It was the gain. I I've, I think oh. I've I think I've got a wonky dial on my uh, oh, uh on my mixer. No. The gain channel seems mm. to be a little. Uh, the the gain knob seems to have a little problem. Okay, so composing. For- oh yeah, um, getting back to the 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 point. Uh, composing for games is very very different from composing for a motion picture. Uh, can you? I, am, I almost disagree there. I think that coming from the motion picture background is uh, really informed the the uniqueness and the you know the distinction of this this, this game music. Well, but yeah, it made it but better in 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 the same way that uh, animating for a game is very different than animating for a motion picture. Oh, well, you know, gosh, doing yeah. computer animation. Yeah, that's in- right. I mean, just the sort of the interactivity of it, for one thing, is is something that I constantly had to remind myself, and also just just like remembering that there's so much going on, there's so much to absorb, and I found myself kind of 
writing these quite rich elaborate passages that were almost like too melodic and too musical and they'd be like it's great there's too much and i would just you know take a sledgehammer to it and like boil down each element to its sort of more most basic strong identifiable piece um which was you know it's kind of a good exercise anyway as a composer and then also yeah the idea that you can kind of jump around a piece of music rather than it being a linear you know is Mm-hmm. Really yeah, that's that's what I was getting at, really. Uh, totally. Yeah. As you as you move through one from one situation to another within the game, you know the mm-hmm. the music underneath it changes, and as a composer, you have absolutely no control where that starts or stops. That's right. Uh, just just as if you were an animator and you're animating for the game, you have the same problem. You know, yeah. you have you have motions that are really just sort of uh, libraries of motion rather than whole scenes that you that you uh build out and, totally uh, yeah yeah i and that i guess that was something that was always kind of a bit daunting for me as some as a composer that had never done a game before but when i did that rainbow six one and i met the ubisoft team they were kind of like don't don't worry about loops and all of that stuff like we'll take care of that just make sure that we'll give you a very kind of basic framework like make sure that this thing and this thing are in the same key so that it doesn't sound like a dog's dinner when you end up going from that room to that room and you know and it, it was it was very straightforward but and they you know they they were amazing i kind of just gave them stems and they would build their loops and whatnot out of it so oh. the sort of technicality of it was something that i didn't have to worry that much about they just really encouraged me to kind of be creative and try to approach it that's interesting so yeah. so uh they were basically like remixing your stuff yeah, I think they kind of have to do it that way because they would, in order for things to f- appear or feel seamless from one section to another, you can't just have like a piece of music stop and another one start. They have things kind of blending together, and um, and yeah, they would they would be the ones in in control of that. There's a a program that they use. I forget the name of it. That um, they kind of feed everything into this thing, and it sort of <laughs> does it. It's yeah. a technical term. Uh, it's a it's a technical yeah. So thing. which uh just for the uh <laughs> for the technical nuts out there, which which DAW do you use? Digital audio workstation? I use Logic. Um and I've been using Logic since the mid nineties. So even if I wanted to change, I it's too late for me. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck with it. You've got, got the workflow. It's like yeah, yeah. and I have like twenty odd years of sessions, it it would just be it would be such a mountain for me to, you know, I still find myself like, oh, that thing that I did in 1999, like, let's see if that will open up. And it's always a bit of a arm wrestling match to open up old sessions, but I still kind of like to be able to do that. So, but yeah, and I'm, you know, as with anything that you use every day for that long, I'm, I have my sort of fast way of working and it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's... I was I was like that myself. Uh, I started out as an animator using Lightwave, and then uh, mm-hmm. I had to, I had to switch to Maya, and everything was different. and And I l- basically lost uh, my entire body of work in Lightwave because of that. Right, and, of but course. I had to change yeah. because that's what everybody you know that's what the big boys were using. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. We're kind of slaves to the developers like that. Yeah, so um, yeah, I've been listening to some various cuts of your music, you know, from I, 
your website is fallonyoursword.com. And if you're listening to this after the show, uh, go to fallonyoursword.com and go to the... Uh, Go to the work tab, and you'll see a whole bunch of uh, of color bar, <laughs> you know, color bar test screens, test patterns, and uh, hover over them, and you'll see uh, links to examples of everything that uh, everything that Will Bates has done, and it is an incredible library. Uh, Thanks. But, yeah, it's really good, mm-hmm. uh, and the. Um, uh, your stuff ranges from the the hard electronic to uh, to the softly melodic, you know, depending on on the needs of the production. Uh, but one thing I've noticed is that all of your stuff is very strongly informed both by the electronic music and by the jazz. Mm-hmm. Guilty, know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and possibly by Captain Kirk uh, climbing a mountain. Oh yeah, you you're, went down that rabbit hole. You're in, yeah. You are internet famous, my friend. Yeah, you are in, indeed. We, my muse, Mr. Shatner. That song gets a ton of airplay on Sci-Fi Dot Radio. You're already internet famous. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> Our well, Discord regulars hear. do ask for it. Good. Yeah, it's, it's it's actually a highly requested song. Fantastic. I wish that got me royalties, but of course, yeah, we never re- I didn't even look into that. So I just tried to kind of keep Paramount away from me for yeah. copyright reasons. So, yeah, so that one just goes in the bin, but um I, I someone is probably collecting from that. Who knows? Yeah, well, uh, Fantastic. yeah, um in the United States it's Sound Exchange and in Canada it's ReSound and in in uh, the UK it's PRS or something I can't remember right. yeah. what the rights organizations are but it all goes That's into right. a big it all goes into a big pot and then anybody uh, anybody who doesn't claim their money it just goes in to feed the PRO instead of feeding the musician well and... I'm happy to be propping up a PRO around the world it's good <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that was a that was a fun. It's funny, like I because of that video. That's basically why "Fall on Your Sword" is what it is. I really that video, kind of yeah. It, it was just one of those crazy things. It, I, "Fall on Your Sword" sort of started as a band, um, and it was born out of another band that I had called The Rinse, which I, I was the lead singer of, and we released a record in Japan and got close, but managed to successfully dodge success like ninjas for four or five years and eventually put it to bed and then like me and another guy from that band started fall on your sword and um and never really thought much of it but i just was like oh i might as well call this video say that it's by fall on your sword and before that one there was one called back to the ship have you come across that one that's another no uh, but we're gonna have to yeah we're gonna look it up now yeah look <laughs> it got it got taken down because there's some nudity in the video but i i think someone reposted it so you can find it um and that's that was sort of the first of a series of shatner themed things but yeah that captain uh, shatner of the mount just kind of went crazy and then i find myself having to start the band to perform at like sci-fi conventions and stuff like that and that's wonderful we had this very elaborate live show with screens and and it turned into a whole thing we opened for lcd sound system and had like all this success and it kind of seemed like okay well i'm going to start this music production company i'm going to name it after the band and now the band is somewhat um we don't really do live shows anymore haven't for like a decade i think 
Um, but the company is very much alive and we have studios in LA and um, yeah, I kind of use it as the umbrella for all of the weird stuff I like to do, I guess. That's awesome. I had no idea the, the song had that much history behind it. Yeah, That's it really awesome. did. It was, yeah, it was like, oh, this is going well. We need to like do something about it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, how- is there more funny stuff we can pull out of your your hist- your your uh, collection there? Oh my god, there's a whole bunch of it. Yeah, it, it's all on the Fall on Your Sword YouTube channel. That's the the okay. stuff that I haven't checked there in a couple of years. But I mean, there's a whole Michael Caine series mm-hmm. that started with Tangerine, which is just him talking about. This. Do you remember in the Dark Knight? Not the Dark Knight in uh, Batman Begins. He's right. Yeah. Talking about yeah, a, tan- just... a ruby the size of a tangerine. And I, there's like a whole thing that started with that. And then I did right. a whole thing of Alfie and then a mm-hmm. whole. Yeah, there's lots of stuff. There's a okay. Spanish ladies, which is Jaws. It's a <laughs> homoerotic um, Jaws song. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good stuff. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we we play all all kinds of eclectic stuff on uh, Sci Fi Radio, and uh, great. Yeah, and that's that's of course how we ended up with uh, Shatner on the Mountain in the first place. Yeah, I'm know? sure. It was, yeah, that sort of that song is almost uh, the anthem of one of our DJ's uh, weekly shows. He plays it every single week. What? That's yeah. awesome. Oh, that's so, Mr. Have you had the? Did no, you ever see the, uh, Gary Gary DeBaum? Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. we Gary did a, a remake of the song with a new video where I'm dressed as the mountain. And <laughs> have you ever seen? That? I have not seen that one. Oh, you need to see that. That's really good. Okay, that one's going in the announcement It's a recreation article. of the video uh-huh. with me as the mountain. My mate Phil is like doing Shatner mm-hmm. and. Oh, I thought it'd like be like a the mountain an is like in figure. love, and they're going on a date together. <laughs> My wife made the, the costume of me as the mountain. Oh, that's great! Nice, yes. that's crazy. <laughs> anyway, so how long did it take you to uh, to get the uh, work for Ubisoft on uh, Far Cry Six done? Um, and, well, and, that was one of those. It was the pandemic job for me that was mm. kind of a brilliantly timed thing i hate to say it it was i had a, a tv show that i was working on called away and that like it went they away stopped production. Yeah, it went, it went away, away. <laughs> yeah. yeah it did go away sadly um but yeah that one like a lot of things for me got delayed i i this i had a, a tv show that just came out called the lost symbol that was meant to happen a lot sooner all of these things that just like either four times as long as they were supposed to or just kind of fizzled out altogether the one thing that did not was was of course the game which was fantastic which just meant that i was i was doing it pretty much throughout the whole pandemic i think so most of time is so weird isn't it i can't was it last year i guess uh 2020 was was yeah that was last year when yeah everything everything hit and then yeah so i i think i started working on it in like february of 2020 uh-huh. um and it was just little bits here and there and and you know they ubisoft also shut down for a little while as everybody did um but yeah it was it was probably about a year i think that i worked on that project that must mean there's uh we've we saw the um uh the sample page uh, ubisoft sent us a link to all the music and, oh cool yeah and we've played some of it and it's um 
it, you know, it's very, it's very like uh, moody and electronica and and this kind of thing. A few of them stand out. Yeah, a few of them do stand out. I liked a day at the beach for some reason, and I that was the last yeah, one on the list. So I, I, I take it that, that's the end of the. That's I mean, right. Yeah, I think that's my favorite too. That was actually the last thing I I did on it. Mm. Um, did it, yeah, there's a lovely video for it as well. It's like basically Vass is sort of in heaven kind of thing. He's like on his desert island and mm. he's kind of having this Tom Hanks in Castaway kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. His like little existential speech, and then the music just yeah is is accompanying it. Um, yeah, it was you know there, there's a lot of electronics, but there's also lots of like I said, I found myself kind of taking a sledgehammer to a lot of these melodic things, but also to anything that was acoustic. You know, I have a, an old hurdy gurdy that I bought for a show called Night Flyers. Hurdy gurdy. You I, don't know. You don't hear a lot of people with a hurdy gurdy. I know one well, other person. There's probably a lot of people that have them, but nobody admits to it. That's it's kind of like bagpipes. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I mean, I often find obscure. myself putting it in and crossing my fingers that no one asks me to take it out, which is what normally happens when, with my saxophone playing that never makes it. Mm. Um, but the hurdy-gurdy is in the score for Vars. No, wait, it's in the Pagan Men DLC. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just kind of love that weird pulsating thing that it can do it's like so obviously hand cranked and has its own rhythm and um yeah i try to sort of have things that are you know in a soup of electronica there's always one or two things that are are real and wonky i think that's important well it's like um um uh, who directed the uh the the uh wow i was just slipped Try- off your brain. Yeah, all of that slipped off my brain. I was trying to remember uh, who directed the the Transformers movies. Michael, Michael Bay. Bay. Michael Bay. Yeah. Um, what he does, uh, what he does is uh, he has no, absolutely everything. Absolutely everything is in motion. You know, like the entire scene is in motion, and uh, hopefully there's like one little thing in there that's solid, that solid ground where you can look at that and say, "Ah, yes, that's my frame of reference." That brings right. me back to Earth, and uh, it, it sounds like you're doing the same thing with things like the saxophone and the hurdy gurdy and that sort of thing. It's keeping yeah, you anchored I, in real music, you know, um, it gives people, acoustic music. Yeah, it gives people a frame of reference so that they know I, where the ground is. I think that's right. And I think people, I think you can connect emotionally to something that's real and played by, even if you can't kind of pinpoint it, there's something about a human being manipulating something that, um, yeah, it's just kind of undeniable. I just worked on this, this movie called The Voyeurs for Amazon. And there's a scene at the end of that movie. There's a cue that's about five minutes long. It's kind of the, the big climax of the film. And the director just wanted the whole thing to just grow very slowly. And I, there's a violinist I work with a lot called Lev Zerbin, who's fantastic. And he mm-hmm. happened to be in L.A. working with um, Dudamel at the mm-hmm. L.A. Phil. And he was staying in my house. And I was like, i got this cue. I just, he wants something really simple, but he literally just wants one note to grow. And do you think you could just come in and play one note for four and a half minutes? <laughs> and he's like this, he's like a, conservatoire trained Russian maniac you know this guy is such a badass but he played this note and it's you it's just so 
undeniable and it's it's brilliant and it's simple and there's just no way that you can do that with a sample you know like i could yeah spend an hour trying to get my velocity curve to to do something but just having that like frail thing that then grows into something that has like real strength it's just kind of yeah, it's all about uh, me yeah, the the character that uh, that the musician brings to the instrument, you know, and totally. it's and and the instrument, a physical instrument. That's the, one of the things uh, that people don't realize. The I think that that uh, that the instrument plays you as much as you play the instrument in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, it has its own personality. Which would you rather be played by a violin or? A- uh, technological nightmare. <laughs> well, the problem with technology, of course, is that uh, you know it's all on you. It's it, the, the it instrument really will do what you tell it to, uh, and then after that, uh, you know, it just that's it. But with yep. with, with a, a a natural or physical instrument, it has its own voice. It has things that it likes to do and things that it doesn't like to do, and totally. and you have to compensate for those things in order to get the sound you want. You know, yeah, or, or, or the, play along, or be inspired by what it does. The happy accidents that happen as a result of something like that. Absolutely, I feel like my my studio is sort of designed to encourage chaos that can be, mm. you know, somehow captured. Because it is all about the happy accidents, Just plugging something into the wrong thing. <laughs> get on uh-huh. and ride. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, uh, so do you have a do you have a P- PlayStation Five now? Is Far <laughs> is Far Cry Six on a PlayStation Five or what's it on? Uh, I I think I don't know. I have we'll a four. We'll look it up. You have a four. All right. Yeah. Um, and I don't have the game yet. Well, can you get a part of the- PlayStation Five? You can, right? I think so. Are they out? Yeah, I think I think they are. Okay. Oh, well, that answers that question. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, we don't that's have one his, either. That's not his department. No, it's not. It's, well, I was just curious, about, the good thing about going out and getting a PlayStation is that you can play your regular videos on it. I mean, you know, ten, you know, twelve years ago, I was setting up my, uh, you know, my my living room, and uh, well, I could I could buy a, a um, Blu-ray player or I could buy a PlayStation, which played Blu-ray. Right. It was and, all right. Know. Now it's all just one thing. I'm actually I have a I have two kids. I have a five-year-old and a six-year-old, and we my wife and I had this debate about like okay, they don't. We've been pretty good about the whole screen time thing. At a certain point, we need to introduce them to video games. So I, being the old-fashioned 8-bit idiot, was mm-hmm. like, all right, we start with the Atari, then we graduate to an NES, and then we're going <laughs> to do this chronologically. We're going to, In fact, I think we started with ColecoVision. So I got mm-hmm. all of these, like, oh, wow. like reborn, you know, the, the sort of rebuilt Atari mm-hmm. and then the, the Coleco, the Genesis. This is just everything in your closet, right? Yeah, which is basically where it still lives. Because the kids would play, like, they've tried to play the Atari and they've never picked up a joystick or anything before. And they're just like, this, this, Daddy, this is hard. And it's true, I guess. It is kind of hard if you've never done it before. But we've just, it's so ingrained for me. Like, that's what we all did Mm -hmm. growing up. But yeah, to a a freshie, I guess that stuff is um, moving a block around a, screen which is basically a coleco vision yeah, yeah. The, the coleco vision got its color from a, a vinyl sticker that you put on your television screen that's right yeah exactly <laughs> oh, brilliant with the disc thing and then, uh-huh oh, 
Yeah, it, would break it was. Instantly. Oh my god, it was bad. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Yeah. But we were yeah. we were glad to have it uphill both ways. <laughs> yeah, in the snow and the yeah. It, yeah. Un- unfortunately, it hasn't aged well. I thought there would be a, a fondness about it, but yeah, I'm like, no, we don't need to bother with that. Let's just um, get them onto the fun stuff, basically, which means like a switch or something, doesn't it? That's probably going to be on a Christmas list. Uh, don't remind me. <laughs> yeah, we, we had to get my son's first game when he was, I think, uh, seven months old, and what? Uh, no, about a year, about a year old, uh, and it was basically well, that explains yeah, a lot about him. Hit any key and hit any key on the keyboard at all, and something interesting happens, and that was what the game was like, you know, because little animated things. And he still plays yeah. like that. And, and, and he's well, twenty three. <laughs> well, the reason was that he would be his mother would be working. You know, she was doing work as a computer consultant at the time, and he would just crawl along and say, "Oh, shiny red button! I wonder what right. this does." And he would press it, and without warning, all of her work would be gone. Oh, God. because he had turned off his computer. Her computer uh, because he sure. wanted to play too. You see, yeah, of course. <laughs> so. We it's had to get, yeah, it was self-defense. It was a self-defense right. move. That's interesting. You had to teach him the, the ropes. Yeah. Well, and now, you know, he's taking computer programming in college. So it's the it's the there circle it of life. Now he's going uh-huh. to help other kids to have fun. So so are your uh, are your kids really into what you do for a living or do they do they know what you do? Um, They do. I I feel like they, I have a studio in my house and I also have a studio, um, the the Fall on Your Sword studio in in North Hollywood. And when they come over there, it's like, it's like a playground to them. You know, they're just Mm. like grab toys and stuff. I feel like when I, when I'm working here, it just seems like I'm always working on something scary. Every time they open the door, there'll be like something terrifying happening and like some <laughs> really terrifying music mm-hmm. coming out. Like, Daddy's being scary again. Like, yeah, all right. But they, yeah, I, they they know what I do. Do they appreciate it? No, but you know that's all right. Yeah, that'll <laughs> food on the table. Yeah, that might take that might take twenty years. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. If it ever happens, but um, yeah, they're, they're both pretty musical though in their own way. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You know, stays. It's uh, uh, runs in the bloodline, I guess, huh? I guess so. Yeah, no one in my family come to think of it. They're all actors, and, and my my parents were. Oh, that's interesting. You're mm-hmm. a, b- both of them were. They were. Yeah, they were uh, both horror movie actors. There's a, a TV studio in England called Hammer, and um, oh, Hammer it, Films. There you oh, go. We're ver- you know. oh, yeah, we're very familiar with those. Those are okay. So Hammer- my dad was he was. Dr. Frankenstein in The Horror of Frankenstein, who's in Taste of the Blood of Dracula, where he gets killed and turns into Christopher Lee. <laughs> he was in a movie called Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde, where he turns into a woman and goes on killing sprees, killing prostitutes. And one of the prostitutes was played by my mum, and that's how they met and fell in love. <laughs> he... What a fascinating story. Oh, you yeah. Have, yeah, you have, to look up, you have to look up Ralph Bates in uh, IMDb. Yes, that's the guy. That's yeah. Funny. Oh, that's awesome. What? A, yeah. What, what a what an interesting way to 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 start your life. It sure was. I watched my my parents die in every way you can think of. You push down a well in fear in the night. 
Well, there's, a, there's an adolescent dream. Yeah. I, I hate my parents. Let's watch them. But it's funny. I feel like I, I, my, my parents were never really worried about me watching like horror movies or anything like that, because I think from the age of two, I understood that it was all pretend, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause dad's right here. So, you know, like this isn't real. And, uh, right. Yeah. It's parents funny. worry so it's, about that way too much. Every actor's kid I, I know who's been in a science fiction thing was fine with it. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And now I'm, now I'm a parent It's kind of, my kids are yet to watch, granddad you know my my dad died when i was 13 and like you know they all of their their only frame of reference of their grandfather is a bunch of movie posters that are around the house and stuff like that you know daddy was a vampire you know granddaddy um but yeah so at a certain point we need to show them the the hammer of <laughs> that's that's fantastic hammer films yeah that's the the hammer films were uh uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the Hammer films were about half the content of science fiction conventions when you went, you know, and you That's went right. into a film room. It was like Hammer films 24 hours Absolutely. a day for yeah. three days. Yeah, my then, then Star Wars happened and things changed. Right. And Star Trek, I guess. They kind of dominate the, the sci-fi convention scene. But yeah, a lot of those actors are still kind of doing that circuit, the Hammer circuit. Um, you know, take the I, money. We'll we'll, t- we'll ask for their autographs just as much as anyone else. Totally. <laughs> well, good for them. Good for them. Yeah, why not? So there's the past. How about the future? What's your next? What's next in the Will Bates? I've just Port- portfolio. Portfolio. Thank portfolio. you. Portfolio. <laughs> um, I I went. Yeah, to, I have a few. What you working I was on a now? communications major. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a. There's a, a movie that I just. There's just out yesterday actually on hbo called the forever prisoner it's an alex gibney documentary about abu zubaydah Mm. um, that i was working on around the same time as far cry um and then there's a tv show for netflix um called the devil in ohio that i think will come out next year that's kind of what i'm in right now along with a, a pilot for showtime that i probably can't talk too much about right but, um, yeah but yeah lots of really exciting stuff the devil in ohio that sounds like you know the l- sounds like our friend uh, well we've got we, we've got listeners and friends in ohio and they will be amused by that title yeah, yeah well it's a book oh, um okay. by daria Pulitin, who um published it a, a couple of years ago about a young lady who leaves a satanic cult and goes to live with a family in Ohio and it's something of a true story but Ooh. has some quite fantastical elements let's say it's a it's a good one it's really really fun so your your work tends to uh tends to come up wherever um you know mystery or horror uh, is involved some, the imagination generation generates again I guess so yeah that i seem to veer towards the darkness for some reason um, well, your I, I father was a vampire. A Hello. I will say that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Comes, yeah, comes full circle, I guess. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking to the award-winning composer Will Bates uh, here on Sci-Fi.Radio. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. You have been an absolute delight. This is this was a lot and more. Me too. We thought really it was fun. Yeah, we thought it was going to be fun talking to you, but I didn't think it would be this fun. It was, <laughs> it was very cool. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely. 
You have been listening to episode 233 of Sci-Fi.Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for Saturday, December 18th, 2021. Our guest this evening has been award-winning composer Will Bates of the music scoring company Fall on Your Sword, who has recently finished work on Ubisoft's Far Cry 6, available now at Ubisoft.com. This episode will air again on December 19th, 2021 at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow afternoon, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode as a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and on our own website at sci-fi.radio. Sci-Fi.Radio is listener-supported Sci-Fi Geek Culture Radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. If you enjoy programming like what you just heard, we would ask you to please visit patreon.com slash sci-fi radio and pledge 5 to $10 a month to help keep the station on the air. That's patreon.com slash sci-fi radio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by sci-fi illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was played by Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This episode is copyright 2021 by the Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Sci-Fi.Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. <laughs>